Hey everybody, Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up for this week. So today's episode is inspired by a post that my good friend Paul Evans wrote on LinkedIn recently. And the post was actually about Ryan Reynolds. Now, you'd have to be living under a rock not to know who Ryan Reynolds is. Now, firstly, he is an A-list Hollywood star. He is the owner of Wrexham Football Club, and there's even a TV show on Netflix or one of those things, Amazon, I don't know. But anyway, there's a TV show all about that experience. He's also had a couple of really big exits. One in particular has just been announced where he is the shareholder of a Canadian mobile company called Mint Mobile that was just acquired by T-Mobile for get this, over a billion dollars, and apparently his stake was certainly in the nine-figure range. But this isn't the only exit that he's had in the last few years. He was also a big shareholder of Aviation Gin, which he sold as well. And if you read Paul's post on LinkedIn, I do I do recommend you following Paul and having a look at some of his content. It's great. But he talks about, he talks about whether the sale of Aviation Gin actually helped him buy Wrexham Football Club. Now, I know a lot of people out there are from the US and they're going, what the hell is Wrexham Football Club? Well, over here, it's kind of like a team which is not really in the Premier League yet, but they still get a very, very loyal fan base and... The way it works over here, I'm not going to get into it. It's not really the purpose of the episode. But the way it works here is you kind of get relegated down into certain divisions and you can also get promoted up into certain divisions. And of course, Ryan Reynolds owns one of these teams and he'll be doing everything he can to get them promoted to the hefty heights of the Premier League. But that is not the topic of today's episode. Today's episode is really about can you build a business to sell? Can every business be built to sell? And importantly, should every business be built to sell? And I bring that up because after reading the post that Paul put on LinkedIn, I made a comment on that post and said, you'd be surprised how many exits are reverse engineered with a clear buyer in the frame many months or even years out. So, in the world of private equity, we do that. We reverse engineer the outcome. And it's not always pinpointed to a specific buyer. Often it is, or there is a, a number of buyers or potential buyers in the frame. But we spend a lot of time on the packaging and the positioning of the business so that a business that starts doing one thing, serving a certain customer in a certain market, may pivot, if I can use that word, or certainly transition to be a, a different feeling, different looking type of business by the time it exits. Now, does that mean that the business has fundamentally changed? No. But the way that it is framed so that it is attractive to the strategic and the financial buyers that sit up the chain is a very, very big shift. And I learned this very intimately when I was involved with Ascend Learning and the exit of that entity to Blackstone because there was a lot of positioning of that business around education and data and the tech platform that we had within that uh, company. Lots of different ways that we could shape the story and the narrative. But what I think and believe and feel and what I want to get across in this episode today is that there is a point in time when your strategy should fundamentally be about the exit 
But there is also a point in time where you should focus just on building a great business, a business that has fantastic fundamentals, has a growth story, has momentum, all those sort of things. But there is a point, again, when you transition to think about the sell. So I just want to go into that a little bit today. Nothing frustrates me more. Nothing frustrates me more when someone comes to me and says, I've got a unicorn or I'm building a unicorn. Now, definition, just for those who haven't heard that before, a unicorn is a business that is valued at over a billion dollars. The funny thing about the people who come to me and say that is their business usually at that point in time isn't worth anything, okay? Or if it is worth something, it's nothing near or not even close to a billion dollars. You could argue that they are visionaries. So lots of creative entrepreneurs are visionaries and they're projecting what they want their business to be in the future. Nothing wrong with that. You all, We all have to have a vision and to quote Cameron Herald, a vivid vision. But we also have to have some realism around that. What I think is better to focus on when you're at that startup stage is making sure that you have a great understanding of the market, who your ideal customer is, making sure that you are solving a problem for that ideal customer in a unique and remarkable way, making sure that as you scale, you are bringing in the right people, usually people who are a few steps ahead of maybe where the business is because, again, if you bring in that quality of capability, you're going to have them accelerate you more quickly. You should be thinking about the financials of the business, making sure that you have a strong cash runway, leveraging capital effectively to scale, investing in things like good marketing, great uh, strategic partnerships, okay? All of those things, all of those what I call fundamentals, strengthening the, the fundamentals and the foundations of your business are going to serve you. So that's the first piece. So there is a certain point where you should absolutely be doing that. But when you get into the sort of stage where the business is growing, it's growing, it's growing, but you, you have all of those kind of core elements in place, there is a point in time where you need to start to think about that exit. And I think, this is my belief, every business can certainly be built to sell. Okay, Once it gets past those initial pieces, it can absolutely be built to sell. How you sell it and who you sell it to at the point in time when you start to lean into this, this strategy as I call it, may be very different from the business that you started off with. Now, let's explain that a little bit. When you start a business, very often you are focused, as I said, on that creativity. And at a point in time, the market is presenting you with certain opportunities. Okay, so when Apple launched, you know, there was, there was the vision not necessarily at that point in time to be doing the things that Apple is doing now, right? And there's been lots of leadership transitions, you know, since Steve Jobs left and Tim Cook's been put in. There's been lots of things like that. But there was a very, very clear problem to be solved that Steve Jobs focused on. Now, by staying true to that and constantly innovating, Apple has become one of the most valuable businesses in the world. But in the beginning, it didn't start with the exit, right? If you read any of his biographies or the people who knew him well, and there's a lot of information out there, you know, Steve Jobs wasn't building the company in that way, right, to IPO and all these things. He was focused on solving a problem that he saw in a unique and remarkable way. In fact, he was obsessed about that, okay? 
But as you get up the chain and the business becomes bigger and therefore more valuable, certainly more attractive to a private equity firm or a financial buyer, you are going to get people starting to explore and show interest in what you're doing. Now, that could be quickly or it could be a few years down the track since you founded the business. And the point I want you to kind of understand about this is the market would have evolved and changed considerably over that time span. You know, the the markets these days are evolving quicker than I've ever seen, right? Everything seems to be accelerating. Yes, digital has a play in that. Globalization has a play in that. But markets are getting created and disrupted equally more quickly than we've ever experienced in life. Now, as I record this, you know, everyone's getting excited about chat GPT and AI and all that. The question I pose to you is, you know, what business models that exist today in the next, say, five to 10 years are not going to exist anymore. They're going to be disrupted simply because of the advancements in AI. Okay, now people thought, you know, if you go back into this, people kind of thought that, you know, taxi drivers weren't going to get disrupted ever or, you know, rental accommodation wasn't going to get disrupted. But there were there were innovators. You know, the Ubers came in, the Lyfts came in, the Airbnbs came in, right? You know, there's the classic example of how Blockbuster used to be a hugely valuable company and then Netflix absolutely ripped it apart. So the thing I want to get across here is as the market changes, as your business grows and the market's evolving, you have to be external. So what I often advise, if you want to have a business that is exitable, there's a point in time, once you've gone through that startup phase and you're into the scale-up phase, that you start, need to start to transition your role. So even as the founder, you can't be in the business too much. You have to be operating sort of on and above the business. It's at this point in time that you should be bringing in your board, your trusted advisors, you know, other people who can come in and give you a different perspective. And 100%, you should be looking at how the market is evolving and changing, right? So it's possible to take the core of what you've created and be able to constantly innovate and transition the business model, keeping in line the fact of you know, how the market's changing, but also how attractive your business is to someone who may want to buy it in the future. And you can actually start to evolve and change the positioning of your business in line with all of those different dynamics. Now, I don't want to make this hugely academic. You're not going to get this in any MBA school. But I've been involved in businesses, as I said, that started off as one thing, were successful at that one thing, transitioned, transitioned, grew, acquired other companies, created different structures, uh, evolved and innovated around their business model. And when they did sell, because they got intentional on that exit, as I said, it was a very, very different looking business. Maybe the way to think of this is someone who's into sort of fitness and bodybuilding and they start off looking one way, they start getting fit and healthy, then they they decide they want to go in a different direction. They transform their, their body, their look, and you know they're very, very different a few years down the line because they've gone down this path. It's kind of like that. Maybe not the best analogy, but it's kind of like that. So back to the point here. Can every business be built to sell? When you get to the point where an exit is absolutely your goal, when you've built something of value already and you want to extend and increase that value, my advice is this. 
start to have conversations out in the capital markets about what is attractive right now. So if you have a business which is, let's say, an education business, go and speak to investment bankers, corporate finance firms, and start to understand the dynamics of value within that market. You might have an education business, but it might not be built the right way that's going to be attractive for someone to take the platform you've created to then scale it. You may have an education business that could equally be positioned as a publishing company or an events company or a media business, right? There are lots of overlaps and synergies between that because at the core of an education business is content IP. At the core of a publishing business is content IP. So you might have something when you go to market that you say, actually, I don't have an education business. I have a publishing company. It's a publishing and events company. And these dynamics of the business model make it attractive because I've taken the feedback of what I've seen in the market and the people who are acquiring and I have reverse engineered what I'm building around that. Okay, really interesting and important distinction here. Okay, I I want this to be super clear to people because as you get more externally focused when you're in that scale-up journey and you start to bring that information into the business, it will help you make better decisions that are around value expansion, increasing the value of your business. If you want to take it one step further, right, and similar to, I'm going to re- reference back to the, um, the post, the whole Mint Mobile and Ryan Reynolds thing. There's a point in time where, you know, Mint Mobile, I can tell you this without even sitting at the boardroom, that they would have all been there at Mint Mobile and they would have been looking at the market and they would have been looking at the big telecommunications companies and they would be absolutely looking at their strategy, what they're doing and trying to map their strategy back to the growth story and the packaging and positioning of Mint Mobile. No question. Sometimes a business like T-Mobile will buy a company like Mint Mobile simply because it looks like it's growing too quickly and it poses a threat. Sometimes a purchase will be made, an acquisition will be made just to get the talent. Other times it's to get geographic expansion, moving into Canada in this example. But if you want to be really astute and get the the A+, right, the distinction here is that as you're sitting around that strategic boardroom with your advisors and you're looking at the market and you're speaking to the corporate finance, the investment bankers, what you're really doing is you're looking to reverse engineer the exit. And if you can start to see where the possibilities are for your business to transition into those, those opportunities, then you can start to make different decisions from a reasonable runway out. You know, this could be 24 months out or something like that to be able to align your business in the slipstream of these other businesses and certainly align with their strategies. So this, and I finished there because I think I've made the point. This is what we do or what we did do when I was in private equity. Okay, we are thinking about it as a reverse engineered process with a clear buyer, a clear buying intent, many months, many years out. So to finish with this, can every business be built to sell? In my opinion, yes. Not necessarily in its current form, but there is a form out there that you can transition into, which is going to align to where the buyers are. Should every business be built to sell? In my opinion, yes. Why? 
because as an entrepreneur, and this is kind of my mission, right? As an entrepreneur, you will never have a bigger financial event, a bigger payday in your life than when you sell a high value company. That can allow you to live very differently. It can create huge amounts of freedom. It can create generational wealth and it can allow you to make a bigger impact. I hope you've enjoyed this today. Lots of detail. But as I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.